Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I'm here with my lovely wife, Jerry, and I want to welcome you to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And our title today is Four Ways to Flourish in the Midst of Chaos. So glad to be here joining Pete's podcast. Honey, good to have you here. So with the pandemic, we are now in week three uh, of our uh, voluntary lockdown or stay-at-home order. And we have at least four and a half weeks to go, according to our government. And so the great problem as we talk and listen to pastors and leaders uh, around the country and the world is, and our, and our greatest struggle has been a loss of structure. You know, our routines have changed. Uh, there's a sense of the fear of the unknown. Uh, how long will this actually go on, this pandemic? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sense of a lack of control. Uh, there's a vulnerability. And our, our contexts are all very different. We, yeah, very different. Uh, probably the biggest difference being uh, a household with children or a household without children. Yep. And some are living alone. Some are living with roommates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet uh, all of us or most of us listening to the podcast here, we're, we're in leadership. We're leading churches, ministries, teams, nonprofits, for-profit, marketplace ministries. We're leading, we're leading people. And our goal here today is to keep you anchored so that you can lead others, because it's going to come out of who you are. Yeah, and I realized uh, for me how muddled everything became in the last two weeks, just the loss of routine and structure and predictability. Um, We really lost our routine as a couple who lived alone, going from just the two of us to a family of six and plus caring for two more people beyond that. And I realized also, though, this week that the Desert Fathers, who actually chose isolation in order to kind of stay close to God, had a lot to teach us, and we could glean a lot from them. Um, although our isolation is more imposed than chosen, they learned a lot mm-hmm. about what was necessary to help them thrive and stay close to God in their isolation. So, so as we talk about four ways to flourish in the midst mm-hmm. of chaos, we, we'd like to frame it around uh, a rule of life. And uh, Jerry just mentioned uh, uh, Desert Fathers. Now, the rule of life comes historically out of Uh, men and women who fled to the deserts of Syria, Palestine, uh, or Israel, uh, Egypt especially, uh, to seek God's face. And and, uh, because the church and the society had become so corrupt, uh, so worldly, they were seeking God to get cleansed of the idols in themselves and in the culture so that they could uh, send a life rope out and, and, and bring life to the church and the wider world. And so they first began living as hermits, Uh, But over time, however, they realized the need for community. So they started to gather in communities around what is called a rule of life. Now, it's not a rule of do's and don'ts. A rule is the ancient Greek word for a trellis or a structure on how to function as a community, how to keep God in the center of everything that they would do. And so over the centuries, uh, monastic communities in particular have always had a rule of life. And when Jerry and I spent uh, four months visiting monastic communities in 2003 and four, we were so struck by the intentionality of different monasteries and their rule of life uh, so that they would be anchored in the love of Jesus. And we then brought that back into our own lives and the church and found it as a very powerful tool and a buried treasure, really, in our church history 
to help us stay anchored personally and as communities. And so the rule of Benedict, which uh, came out of the 5th century and 6th centuries, uh, is the most famous one in the Western church. And so what we did, we took the framework of that which is used in monasteries, and when that's been brought outside monasteries, it's, it's often broken down into four categories. And that's how we're going to break down our podcast today, prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And we're going to frame our comments around those four things. And I realized um, that although Pete and I had a rule of life before the pandemic, we, uh, we have a rule of life before we were in isolation, so to speak. But how much more meaningful it is now that we're in isolation and again, realizing like, oh, the Desert Fathers actually made this when they were had their own sort of isolation. Mm. So it's actually come to mean so much more to me, and especially the four areas that mm. they honed in on. Um, they honed in on and focused on in order to keep thriving in the midst of the isolation. So, so very meaningful. And so in light of the pandemic, uh, our lives... And I assume, and you know, as we talk yep. to many people, most people's lives have really been upended pretty drastically. Um, as John O'Donoghue, the author, says, life can change on a dime. And for us, it did. And I realized, wow, I need a new rule of life, at least minimally for the next three months. My life has changed so much. The routine has changed so much um, that I... I just, I need a new rule of life in all four areas that mentioned. So if you think of a, a rule of life as, as, as a basically, we're gonna, we want to give you a, a framework to help you create a structure for your time. I, I like the word that's used in Genesis 1, 28, where it says God said to, uh, God blessed humanity as he made them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And the word subdue is the word for, uh, in the original Hebrew, to cut a path through a virgin forest. And so if you, it, it really, it's a great image for our day because we're living in a sense of chaos and fogginess and muddledness. And so what we need to do is to cut a path through the fog, through the wooded forest where it's chaotic and create a path so that we can walk with God and uh, a sense of centeredness. And then those we lead, we can invite them to follow uh, us. So it's a beautiful image. And for us, we, we, we say often uh, at Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, uh, you cannot give what you do not possess. You can only give what you do possess. Who you are is way more important than what you do. And the state you are in is the state you give to other people. Right. And right now, a lot of us are peddling uh, fast, you know, um, to try and figure out how to do life in this new reality, this new normal. But we really want to become of, of our, aware of our own state of being because it is a given fact that the state we're in is actually the state we are giving away to other people. And so, uh, you know, Jerry said to me before, before we recorded the part, podcast that right now in isolation, one week feels like three months. In other words, that you almost like need adjustment every week. And if we're in our third week here, we realize, oh my goodness, we just made a, another major adjustment today. Uh, in yes. conjunction with our daughter, son-in-law, uh, and just we have two families under one roof and how we're functioning. Yeah, for us, it's been a steep 
learning curve. Uh, and I don't know, you know, how long, hopefully that learning curve is going to flatten out a little bit as well. <laughs> and so it requires differentiation. And we talk a lot about differentiation on the podcast, and that is how to remain connected to people and yet not allowing my reactions or behavior determined by them. And so mm-hmm. even you actually doing this exercise with us on this podcast, and hopefully after it's over, uh, it's going to be an act of differentiation for you, a healthy act. And, and Or you, def- you define differentiation as well as emotional maturity, like Jesus had, a solid self, you know who you are and you're offering that to the world versus a reflected self or uh, you find out who you are based on everybody else. And this is bringing out a lot of issues, I think, for all of us. So before we launch out into the four ways to flourish uh, using this rule of life as a framework, let me just mention to you uh, that uh, there's going to be, there's more, a, a wider explanation of a rule of life. We're going to apply it right now to the pandemic and what we're living in. Uh, but there is a there's some te- is a team transformational video. Uh, there's actually three of them, but one of them is around a, crafting a rule of life that's on our website. It's for it's for leadership teams, and it's tremendous for a moment like this. Uh, and it's got some explanations, guidelines. Most importantly, it has a worksheet that you can work from, and a short video where I explain what it is. And uh, if you go to emotionallyhealthy.org/team. Uh, you can download for free that team transformational videos on crafting a rule of life. And I encourage you to check it out after the podcast is over. So if you are sitting, I assume almost very few of you, if any of you are driving right now, uh, but you'd make a, make a big box on a piece of paper with four quadrants and uh, put one word on the top of each quadrant. The top of the left one, you might put prayer, rest, relationships, and work. So four quadrants in a big box with prayer, rest, work, and relationships. And uh, so let's now jump into it, Jerry, with the first way to flourish uh, around the issue of prayer. Right. And what, <clears throat> so what we're calling prayer mm. is not necessarily you sitting there talking to God. It may include that. But prayer is whenever we lift our mind and heart to God. Mm. And that can take many forms. But uh, the key to prayer is really being able to listen to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do that in many ways. So for me, and I want you to remember again, context here is everything. I'm in a, we're in a family right now of six of us in the house, four adults, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And um, so in light and of And two that, daughters, two blocks two away. Two daughters, two blocks away. It's, so there's a lot of dynamics. And so that I've got the noise from our family, from our grandchildren. I've got the noise of the, the media as we listen to news, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, my biggest need in the area of prayer is to get silence, I daily silence, hmm. in order to hear myself, in order to bring the real me to the real God. Hmm. Uh, I need silence to hear Jerry and what's going on inside of Jerry. I need silence in order to listen to God. Um, I need silence to just even calm my nervous system. I need time then for uh, centering and whether um, then I'm spending time, some time in scripture or spiritual reading. But I would say number one for me there is silence and then getting to uh, some scripture and bringing myself to God. And why don't you mention the Henry Allen comment you mentioned to me? Yeah, I think uh, in light of how fast things are happening right now, I 
am experiencing like a lot of things coming at me very quickly. And uh, the quote by Henry Nouwen means even more to me. Uh, his quote is, he says, you know, the way we live our lives, 50% should be lived, living your life. The other 50% reflecting on what you're living. And because I feel like things are happening so quickly, I need those pauses. I need those silences in my day to reflect on uh, what's happening, what's being lived, how I'm responding to them, my, my limits, my boundaries, et cetera. And so for Jerry, okay, that prayer box, what's been really central to her has clearly been silence along with scripture in her readings, et cetera, and reflection. For me, I've got a few things under my prayer box that have, that have really become foundational for me uh, in these days of stay at home. One is every, every morning I'm exploring my iceberg in God's presence. And that's a phrase we use. It's one of the emotionally healthy relationship skills. And what I do is I'm pouring out uh, my feelings before God uh, what am I sad about? Uh, and then I, I list it and things I'm sad about that day. And, and each day it changes. And my daughters, for example, last night, my one of our daughters, uh, her athletic director, 42 years old, healthy, with three small children, died from the uh, COVID-19 virus. And uh, I was so affected by it. She, you know, she's crying. Uh, two of our daughters went to the school. And it's just so tragic. So anyway, I'm, I'm, each day I'm amazed at the different sadnesses I write down. And I write down what am I uh, afraid of? What are my fears? And what are my anxieties? And then what, what am I glad about? And what's been surprising, I've been doing it every day, and we're on day 15 here. Uh, and I every day it's been different. Right. And it's been so great for me to <clears throat> journal. Uh, journal before God. And so what's been interesting is, you know, God's come to me through that. Uh, and then I journal. Writing it down has been so important for me each day. So I've been writing each day and I'm looking back and said, my goodness, how I'm going through. God, the spirit of God's moving inside of me. Yeah. And I think that's important because, or even what are you angry about? You might mm, even just start right. with that. I what are you that angry one. about? Because when we're not in touch with what we're feeling, we're pushing it down and it just becomes a depression. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a lot of depression going around right now. So that explore the iceberg, get a hold of that, and uh, yeah. And actually, else. what's interesting is it's, it's part of the emotionally healthy relationships course. It's actually because of the pandemic, it's free on our website to download the video. You do an amazing job on that. It's on session four of the emotionally healthy relationships course, and I would just encourage you to go find it uh, in our store. It's again, it's free during the pandemic, and, and watch it. It's well worth watching, and at, most important, not watch it, do it, uh, because. You know, we have, we have the saying, I don't know who originally said it, that feelings are like children when you're on vacation. You can't put them in the driver's seat or stuff them in the trunk. You have to listen to them, take care of them, protect them, and at times boundary them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jerry you often uses the expression, if we don't process our feelings, uh, they get buried alive. Mm -hmm. And they come out in all sorts of ways. Right, they get buried but we don't realize they get buried alive. And the great biblical person that I've learned from over the decades about pouring out my feelings and learning to feel has been David in the Psalms, who's just an amazing feeler. Yeah, and I, I like this other quote too about feelings. When we fail to understand, actually if we're un unaware of them, reject them or fail to understand them, it is worse than being deaf or blind. 
because then we're just existing rather than being alive. And right now it's very easy to go into just a mode of reacting and not being reflective. But uh, as leaders, it is very important for you to be leading now more than ever from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And so you really want to be uh, aware of your own state, especially what's going on inside of you, and process those emotions. Uh, That's great. And, I, and I've been also praying, again, under, my, under prayer at this season, I've been praying the Our Father uh, every day. Praying, you know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And then I lift up all the different countries from South Africa to Zimbabwe to Australia to New Zealand to Italy to Germany, because I'm so overwhelmed by mm. it all. And I just pray the words of Jesus on behalf of the wider world and to the church. And then I'm praying the Psalms because I have found myself I don't, not having words for the overwhelming nature of the upheaval and the amount of suffering that's going on in the world right now by so many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and and it's, it's beautiful that you are moving to that. And again, I go back to these leaders who might not be used to exploring what's going on inside of them and processing that, but I can only imagine that you as leaders, you have had so much happen in such a short time mm -hmm. and had to, you're on your, a steep learning curve. You had to pivot and start doing things very differently. And there's gotta be anxiety. Um, there's got to be fears. There's got to be sadnesses. And so you really want to pay attention to that so that you can then move out to the world, you know, locally, globally. But it's got to begin with processing yourself. Honey, thank you. All right. So that's your that's the first quadrant in a in a rule of life is prayer. And again, you can put whatever you like under there this season. That's going to help you connect with God and commune with him. All right. Number two is a second way to flourish in the midst of change is around this word rest. Now, again, it's very challenging to rest in this season. And again, it's gonna take, it takes time to figure out what does rest look like now as a shut-in? Uh, how do I get a predictable rhythm? We wanna, of course, say to you, be give yourself a lot of grace uh, in this because it sure does take time. Right, so I, again, for me, uh, grabbing, not, not just having silence during focused time with God, but I need to grab snippets of silence throughout the day to, again, as I mentioned, I guess earlier, calm my nervous, nervous system mm. because silence is rest for me. Mm. Um, on Saturday, I realized I was had gotten into a bad place. I mean, we were just pedaling so hard for the last couple of weeks and so many different dynamics had entered into our life. You know, just going to the grocery store is a monumental effort now. And I realized I needed to stop. I was really getting into a um, an, an, an unhealthy place, you know, of uh, bordering depression. And so I turned off my phone all of Saturday. I, I knew I needed to do it for my own um, emotional survival. Turned mm -hmm. off my phone all of Saturday. Uh, woke up today to 61 texts, but that, that I... I did what I needed to do for me hmm. in order to be able to help the rest of the world. So um, that was something particular for me in terms of rest on, on Saturday. I also now, I, I limit the news. I check the news every day, but the, limiting the news is also part of my rest. Hmm. 
walking pretty regularly several times a week is part of my rest up. Want, playing with my grandkids at intervals is part of my rest. Uh, we try and watch at least one movie a week, and it's usually a light movie. So we watched Knives Out, which we recommend. It's a fun, <laughs> light movie. The other night we watched Mr. Rogers with Tom Hanks, which was beautiful and grounding for all of us. Yep. I think six, seven of us watched it. Um, baking and cooking are actually restful for me, uh, especially if we do it together as a family, kind of as a social activity. And then reading in the evening. So those are just some of the things that I know I need to be doing at this season of my life, you know, these next three months to kind of anchor me and give me the rest I need in the midst of this changing day-by-day uh, -day life. Yeah, and for me, uh, yeah, some of them are similar, of course, like you know, Jerry, hike, you know, hiking and you know, walking each day is important. But reading uh, is a real is a way that I rest. And so, um, reading a great book on the 1918 uh, Spanish flu epidemic that killed 50 to 100 million people around the world, uh, and just so enjoying it, I'm enjoying it. it's very tragic. But the similarities of what we're in right now are striking. And uh, I'm even reading about pandemics through history, and we are not the first to be in this by any means. I'm reading about detachment. I'm convinced that's a real big issue, not just for me, but for all of us. How do I let go? And Meister Eckhart's one of the greatest writers on that whole theme, uh, So I, and talks about detaching from everything that we hold on to. And so I've been reading about that, really enjoying that. Limits around work has been really important for me for rest, you know, making sure I stop at key times, and we just work, you know, working out three o'clock to stop, babysit. Um, and the same way with news and social media, as Jerry said, staying informed uh, what's going on, but in a boundaried way so that it's not catastrophic. It's a tendency for the news and to take on this sense of this is a disaster, catastrophic, and losing a sense of hope and big picture of, hey, this pandemic will pass as well. The world will go on, uh, but not catastrophizing or allowing the news or social media to catastrophize this whole situation. And so... Uh, that's been an important piece for me, the limits around news and we reading. And we didn't mention Sabbath. Yeah. Pete and I practiced Sabbath, you know, pre-pandemic, pandemic, mm. but uh, it's as just as mm. important now. And so that Sabbath is that one day a week, Saturdays for us where, you know, sunrise to sundown, we are, there's basically a day of no have-tos, mm -hmm. a day of delight, a day of fun. For me, it's probably, it's gardening. Um, maybe again, some baking, a movie as a family yep. in the evening, but Sabbaths are a must. I mean, yes. every, every other day we're either doing paid work or unpaid work, but Sabbath is no work, delight, rest. And you talked to those leaders this past week from a different, from a church, uh, that were, they didn't understand that non-paid work counts as work. They, yeah, they, that right. was that was quite striking. Right, so right. we'll get not, to that. We'll get to that. So let's move on to the third way to to really to to be able to flourish in the midst of this kind of chaos we're in right now is not just prayer and not just working out rest, thinking that through, but that quadrant called relationships and putting some key things in there as well. Mm -hmm. Because our dynamic again changed. We went from just the two of us to again a bunch of us. Uh, Pete and I have now had, and then, and again, all the work just involved in uh, adjusting to the pandemic, 
whether you're, you know, maybe it didn't change. There's still two of you, but there's still new things that you need to do and think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but relationships in the midst of all the dynamics going on in our house, I want to still make Pete my first priority, have to be intentional about that. And I have to battle for it actually more so because of the number of dynamics going on in our home. Uh, also... Talk about attachment, our need for oh, social yeah. and emotional attachment. So this relationships quadrant is so crucial because the one of the most fundamental human needs is social attachment. And that's right now one of the reasons, not the only, but one of the reasons there can be a lot of depression. So even if you live, you may live by yourself and have good attachment with others. You're, you're connecting. And when I say connecting, I mean emotionally. Uh, you may live in a house full of people, but not really having enough uh, emotional connection. So the key here is for, the, for this, when we talk about social attachment needs, we're talking about emotional connection, uh, being able to share openly with folks. So whether you live alone, you're going to need to make more effort to, you want to make effort to reach out through those video calls, form some uh, consistent connection, emotional connection with others. And the same thing, even if we're in the house, you know, you're, you can be, your wheels are turning all the time, even if you're living in a home full of people, but it, it doesn't mean you're emotionally connecting. And so that's important. So we're doing check-ins uh, with the, our family that we're living with. But we're also, you know, there's a lot of extended family. We have extended family we're doing check-ins with, um, not as regularly, because the rest of mm-hmm. life is just taking so much effort. There's just so much energy you have. Um, yeah. And, new, and and our friends, you know, friends and... I haven't gotten to them yet, I right? Know, I, I mean, I'm so exhausted from just the transition to this new normal that, but I on my list is, yeah, I want to get back. I want to be in touch with our friends in New York, and I want to be in touch with some more extended family and some other friends. And, and, and I think we're just acutely aware that with the anxiety in the system of the world right now, it, it, we're all feeling it. It's easy to minimize the, impo- or the how much we all need. I, I We all need attachment, emotional connection with people around us. So. Right. Uh, I know we want to care for other people, but we've got to make sure we're getting what we need. Exactly. If you are married, if you are a leader and you are married, your first work after God is to connect with your spouse and those in your lifeboat. Then you can think about the church and the rest of the world, but it's really got to be an overflow of your love and connection with one another. I, again, I can't stress that enough. And again, you, you want, you're going to hear from us quite clearly. The first, the most important thing is not serving your church. It's it's making sure you're leading yourself yes. and leading those that God's put you, put in your life, your family, your, your children, your children, your closest friends if you're single, and, and living that kind of community life that everyone else needs that you're seeking to build for others. Yes. And again, as, remember, Adam, it was said, the Lord said that he created Adam, it is not good for human beings to be alone. And no one was meant to be alone. And there's a lot of things that are calling out for your attention right now, right? Yeah. If you Again, if you have children and they're being schooled at home, and now you and your spouse are home working together, all sorts of new tensions and stresses are, are there. 
a lot of togetherness. And so it's all the more important that you take time, take time to emotionally connect with one another. All right, so you wanna work on that relationships quadrant. So the final quadrant we wanna touch on here is, is work. And again, the problem is we know people who are working way too much. Uh, That's the temptation. It is the temptation for some, uh, as if they were not in the middle of a pandemic. Right, especially if you don't have children. Yep. And you feel like, and you have this, you know, more, you're not traveling to work. You're, yep. you're not doing things you used to do. And you just kind of keep going to the computer and working. And so a lot of people we're talking to are a lot of guilt, a lot of anxiety, feeling helpless. And we're trying to hold our work together. And it's extremely difficult. So you've got to determine what is the limits around that. Uh, and so we've each determined what, what's our primary work. Right. So for right now... Um, in light of this season, my work is EHD, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That's my paid work. But I also have, but I have unpaid work. My unpaid work is managing this house of six people plus the two around the block, which is, involves a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, cleaning, meal planning, shopping, laundry. cooking, laundry. I'm doing yoga, which is new for me. So that's work. I'm doing that at home. And um, and then caring for our grandchildren. That's my third work. Which, but so I have two unpaid works, basically categories, and I have a paid work. And uh, and uh, Jerry told me I needed yoga, so I added yoga today too. <laughs> it's in my work quadrant now. And, and for me, my work is I'm leading emotionally healthy discipleship, and we're doing we're making the strategic pivots we need to make right now around the course. I'm writing, uh, I'm doing this podcast and some webinars and. And I'm babysitting as well and caring, similar to Jerry, our house and our children, grandchildren, uh, and creating community intentionally around our family. Yeah, that's been great. And I want to get, I think we want to emphasize here, when you think about your work quadrant, you have to remember not just paid work, mm. but unpaid work. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of unpaid work that is has to be done. Fantastic. So remember, your first work is you. And so we want to invite you to, uh, to one, to do good self-care of the own, of what God has given you to be steward of, which is your life. So you could be a gift to the world. And then you've got your family, your lifeboat. So taking care of your family and uh, so light, your life energy can flow to them and through them to the world. And then, of course, your, your leadership, uh, thirdly. But that, that is the order for us. And again, the important thing is you lead from the inside out. We can't lead people where we've not gone ourselves. This is the this is the core work of leadership to follow Jesus in these days. We we want to be able to say, as Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. We struggling with it ourselves. We're able to offer something out of our own lives. So, again, let me invite you to go to that team transformation video on crafting a rule of life at emotionallyhealthy.org/team, and you'll see an excellent worksheet in particular with the quadrants all laid out nicely for you that you can run off and you can you can do this exercise with. And uh, you'll see some guidelines and explanations as well in a short video. And uh, do those, make your four quadrants before God, write them out in this stay-at-home season, this kind of quarantine time we're in, and may God come to you and may he come through you to be a blessing to the world. So thank you very much for being with us. Honey, thank you for being with us on this EH Leader podcast. Thank you. And everybody have a wonderful day. We look forward to seeing you next week. God's blessing to you.